It's good to be together. This is the Live Transform podcast, episode number 274. Glad to have you with us. Oh, yeah. I'm really I'm really um, looking forward to this. We had a little bit of pre-talk about what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And um, Jim, already I have been feeling some like lights on moments, even just good. as you started talking about what you're going to talk about. So yeah. I'm kind of like amped up and ready for some good times. Yeah. This is good. <laughs> All right, then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, last night, last night, we had a, y'all hear about us and our walking and our, our hiking and so on and so forth. But y'all, yeah. last night I had an experience in my 20 years of doing that that I hadn't ever had before. I was coming down the trail from uh, a, a mountain peak that we call Hope Mountain. We named it Hope Mountain. Okay. Yeah. And I was coming down. And there was a desert tortoise in the path. Walking. And he he was more, he was more than a foot in diameter. A big desert tortoise. He was was majestic. It was just so neat. And And he was so at the top of a mountain. Like, how long did it take for those legs to get all the way up that mountain? he's just walking up the path. He's on it. Just, so we we stood there, chilling, talked to man. him, we talked to him, and he just kept walking up the path. We told him he was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> but here was the funny thing: I was so jacked up. I, I really was. I was so my my heart rate didn't go down. I mean, I was just so excited. So I'm coming down the path. I didn't know Bob would get so excited to meet a turtle. (laughs) Meeting a desert tortoise, how could you get so excited? I was. Yeah. But coming down, here's here, and I did it, you know, probably three, four times. But coming down, all of a sudden, after about the second time, I'm telling everyone about it. There's, there's, there, you know, make sure, you know, go to the left, you know, you'll find a desert tortoise. Tell And and I'm walking, and, uh, and, and the Lord's just say, reminding me of good news. How wonderful and exhilarating it is to share good news. Yeah. You know, any, to be, kind, any kind of good news, yes. especially the gospel. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's the way I, and it was just such a reminder. You should so be so thrilled and excited to be able to have the opportunity to share good news. Yep. Hey, take this path. And you'll you know, find you're, you're going to find something that you haven't seen before, you know, <laughs> good news. So I, that's Jim, uh, you know, sharing this podcast with each oh, other yeah. and with others. <laughs> Love sharing good news. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, an interesting thing about that, you know, it's amazing how many people who want to initially have some desire to start doing biblical meditation or using heart physics or this sort of thing. And, and, and it's amazing how many people will say, you know, what? I just can't do it. I just, I just can't meditate. Well, you know, when you begin to look at the Hebrew word for meditation, it's really interesting, all the subtle ways that people meditate. Well, and this goes along with what you're sharing. It's kind yeah. of the anti. It's kind of the anti uh, good news thing. But one of the concepts of meditation, or one of the ways that the Bible teaches that we meditate, is through murmuring and complaining. Oh, oh true. Yes. Yeah. Now, Interesting. Remember, when you meditate, it's where you think about, visualize, or imagine something to such a degree that you begin to experience it as being real in that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you know, you know, you'll hear the New Agers talk about the fact that, and, and it's an actual fact, sadly, many New Agers, uh, even though they're trying to lead you away from the Bible, so many times they don't realize that they they actually believe more of the Bible than a lot of believers do. Yeah, yeah. You know, you'll hear this terminology where, where they say, you know, the mind does not know the difference between a, a real event or a clearly imagined event. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's true. that's true. The mind doesn't know the difference. I say that, and I'm not a new ager. <laughs> yeah. So so stop and think about it then. So when, when you start sharing good news, you relive some aspect of that experience. Ah. And so you're meditating. But you're meditating on the so good news. So sharing good news is a form of uh, meditation. That is awesome. Wow. You, you know, if you guys will remember back when we were still doing live meetings together. Yeah. You know, uh, re- remember, you know, we, we started implementing in our meetings how at the end of the sessions, 
we would have them get in groups for about five minutes yep. and just mm-hmm. talk about whatever whatever they got out of the previous mm-hmm. session. Mm-hmm. Correct. And, yes. and that was my reason behind that, because I knew if we could get people to start talking about something that inspired them, that that would actually be the first step in meditating on the word that they had heard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you then you look at that and say, okay, then let's look at the reverse of this. And see, remember, Jesus warned, it doesn't matter how much good seed you plant in your heart about the kingdom of God, because if you plant thorns among the seeds, then the thorns always choke the seeds out. And so we have become a, really, we've become a, a species of negativity. Mm. And in, and with all the bad things that are mm-hmm. happening, the mm-hmm. news media is always talking about it. You know, you know, people are arguing about it. Family members are talking about everything that's going wrong. Mm-hmm. This is the exact conversation Audrey and I had just yeah. yesterday. Yeah. yeah, just yesterday. And and I said, I'm not upset about this. That I said, but it's the negativity. Yeah, yeah I'm that, just not that, interested. That every conversation you have with someone, they're always going to this yeah. dark side. And what, what they don't realize is when they start complaining mm-hmm. or griping or whatever you want to call it, what they don't realize is they are meditating on the very thing that they're angry about. You know, decades ago, I introduced this concept that you, that you become what you behold. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I, that I realized very early on, you know, you know, when the Bible talks about the lust of the flesh, it, it it breaks it down this way: the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Well, the right. pride of life is ego, and the lust of the flesh are the natural senses that come to us through the flesh. And uh, so, somebody wrote in not too long ago. They said, "You know, I've heard Jim talk a lot about the ego, but but not much about the the lust of the eyes." And 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 and, and he was saying, "Does anybody know of any places where he's talked about the lust of the eyes?" Well, it's been decades since I've talked much about that. But what's really interesting is the Bible says about Lot, it says that Lot vexed his righteous soul through the things that he saw and the things that he heard. And so, when, you know, when we, when we see things that are unscriptural, and keep in mind, it's not just physically seeing these things. When we see them in our heart, in our imagination. Medi- yeah, when we meditate on it. When we meditate mm-hmm. on them, mm-hmm. then, then it vexes our soul. In other words, our soul gets tormented, gets, gets uh, diminished in, 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 in every way. And, and so then, then we become a part of a global unity to bring about the things that we hate. Mm-hmm. We, we create a global unity to just be haters. <laughs> See, the, the Tower of Babel, and by the way, you know, you know I've got a great series going this month on, on Cyber Church about Mystery Babylon. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wrapping this up with, with a kind of a couple of bonus uh, messages about the first Antichrist, which was Nimrod, and, and, and then the Tower of Babel. And uh, <clears throat> the... the the, the thing that made the Tower of Babel so threatening to the entire world was, <clears throat> was the fact that they were all in unity. See, their unity does not get God. In other words, if 10 people are praying about something, that does not affect God any more than one person praying about it. Now, when you read it, and you don't really take a deep dive into the language, and you don't compare it to the rest of the scriptures, you would convince yourself that, that, that that's what it's talking about. It's mm-hmm. talking about more people are praying, then the more God's got to do that. Well, remember, God is sovereign, and the, the fact of sovereignty is not that God can do anything that he wants to. It's not that God's in control. Sovereignty means God is not acted upon by any outside source. So, and that's why dead dead works are so destructive is because in dead works, you're, you're, you're working under this assumption that there is some way you can pressure God into doing what you want. Yeah. And, and so uh, when you look closer at the language and you compare it to all these other scriptures, you start realizing that number one, 
Whether, whether you're saved or you're lost, you have authority on planet Earth. Nearly nobody is willing to believe that. Right, 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 right. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, are you acting as a delegated representative of the King of Kings, and you're establishing here on Earth Mm -hmm. His righteousness, you know, His wow. kindness, His yeah. mercy, mm -hmm. His mm -hmm. love, His, his yeah. justice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or are you are you establishing here on earth that which facilitates the gratification of the flesh? Mm -hmm. and, and you're always doing one or the other. Yes. And so, and so the 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 thing that makes unity so powerful is not that it moves God, but it moves something in our hearts. Yeah. And, you know, um, man, I, I have done every kind of what I will call energy exercises. And when the minute you say that, some people are freak out. Some people act like, act like if you believe there's energy, then you're a new ager. <laughs> you know, I, I used to, uh, I, I, and I would do this on purpose. I, I would be in, I would do, be doing meetings somewhere, and I, and I would get a little rock, and I would say, now, now look, you know, uh, new agers, you know, they, they got these rocks, or I get a crystal or something, mm -hmm. I would say. And, you know, they believe there's power in these things. Mm -hmm. uh, how many of you all believe there's power? And I would get the people worked up to the point that they would be criticizing that. Just, just you know, me, like me, who would me, do me. that? Who would think yeah. there was power yeah. in that? <laughs> and then I would ask them, well, how many of you believe in uh, that we ever created an atomic bomb? Well, they all did. Of course. I'd be like, well, well then, so, so where, then. <laughs> where did that energy come from? That energy came from basically rocks, you know, plutonium. <laughs> That have enough energy to, you know, to destroy the whole world. Jim and Richards, you prank them. Well, you had to because to get you have to jolt them. You have to jolt yeah. people into to right, right. to new yeah. ways of perception. Yes. So you know, so so you realize that that we see the world today is becoming exactly what it was uh, in the times of Noah. And in and in the uh, uh, the times of Nimrod, mm. uh, and in and in the times of the Tower of Babel, where everybody are is coming together in a mindset and using their authority, many people deliberately and on purpose. But the Christians are using their authority because when we decide something, we're exercising authority. Mm -hmm. So when we are griping and grumbling and talking about and thinking about and pondering about everything that's going wrong, we're meditating and we are planting thorns in the soil of our heart that choke out the good news. Hmm. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, am, I ever, am I ever glad I talked about my tortoise? Yeah. My desert tortoise on the desert. Yeah, this because, is profound. And it's all through negativity. Oh. Like yep. today when I woke up, I just had this thought that today I'm in my present moment right this minute. Thank you, Jesus. I'm waking mm. up. But there are all these futures in front of me and I get to choose yep. which one through my 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 direction of thought of choosing life. Like I've been thinking about that. Jesus, you know, God saying choose this, choose this day, life or death. Yeah. And every minute we're choosing life. When someone insults you, you choose life or death. When you, yeah. you know, you choose what, how, you know, if I have a client coming in, Jim, and they're not, they're, they're difficult. And I, I can choose, I don't really, this is not going to be my favorite hour of my day. Well, then right. I've just chosen death. And so, right. I mean, in, you know, we don't even know what we're doing when we're choosing a negative, it gets slides in there so easily and quickly. Anyway, I'm just, I'm just so thankful we're oh. talking about this. Yeah. Well, you know, go we, ahead, No, it's just that we've been talking about the carnal mind, you yeah. know, sowing to things of the, the spirit yeah. or sowing to the things of the flesh. And this is the oh. direction that we're going today. But for you to come at it from kind of the backside yeah. Yeah, the meditative. Of, of the yeah. sowing of thorns, yeah. you know, amongst a, 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 a most beautiful seed of righteousness. I mean, mm -hmm. we disrupt and we um, uh, almost, ab I, I don't like the word abort, but I mean, we abort the things of God. No, it's, we, it's, like it, we're, it it's like we're working against ourselves. We are. Yes. We are. We are creating the things that we fear. Yeah. And, you know, I, yep. you know, well, no, well, that, I again, mean, that we could say 10 uh, times over. 
We oh, are creating the no. things. If Just you fe- creating if we, again and if again we're the things we fear. We're creating something. If yeah. we're fearful, we're creating. And and yeah. it and you we go so easily to worst case scenarios. Well, you know, people who complain, mm. and uh, all the people that listen right now, and whatever tendency you have to complain, don't beat yourself up. No, this is, Thank the you. goal of Good. this is not to beat you up. Yes, the goal of right. this is to help you find a, a solution. Yeah, people. Mm-hmm. People who complain do not realize it, but they have already surrendered their authority. They do yeah. not believe they have yep. authority. Yep. They do That's, not believe wow. they can do anything about the problem. They have al- they're have they already on the road to hopelessness. Yep. And then the problem is that the more hopeless you become, the more, the more you murmur, the more you complain, the more seed you sow in your heart, the worse wow. the problem gets. And the harder it gets for you to hear and yes. recognize the good things, the yes. good news that you could be you're almost like in. numb to the good news. Yeah. Oh yeah. That that is profound. So complaining is giving up authority and just almost giving in to hopelessness. Oh no, it, it, it's not almost. It is. You know, I recently heard Jim. Don't look at that which you don't want to experience. No. And I thought that <clears throat> is profound. Don't even look no. at that which you don't want to experience more of. Well, one of the things that I began to say, and remember, I've been making this heart journey for 50 years. Right, yeah. right. I mean, this isn't just something that yes. I got involved with in the last few years. Right. I was, you know, it was one of those things where I ignorantly stumbled into the right scriptures and the right, mm-hmm. and these concepts about developing the heart, didn't understand them and have constantly grown in them and, you know, developed, developed them in, in my own life. But one of the things that I began to see, and, and I can, you know, Growing up the way I did, and you know, all of my ministry has—I mean, I've—I've I've, I've ministered a lot to fairly what we would consider to be normal people. But you all know, I've always specialized in the people nobody else could help. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why we're and, such good friends. <laughs> 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 and so, you know, the 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 tragedy is—I I don't think the church is uncaring about troubled people. There was a time when I thought churches don't care. And, and you know, it is true. A lot of times church doesn't care. They just want people that can come in and tithe and keep their mouth shut, you know. But but the truth is, uh, the church has gotten as discouraged and disempowered and gotten as negative and complaining about troubled people, just like we are about, tro- about politicians, because really because they've given up hope that they can help these, these people. But they don't understand that all of this is about the heart. If you do not know how to help people write on their heart, persuade their heart, establish their heart, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. If you don't know how to do that, then honestly, you're not really very qualified to be in the ministry right now. That, I'm not saying you're not called. I'm not saying no. that you're not good at some areas, but I'm saying you, people are in trouble. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's no, if you do not engage the heart, then you are going to engage the mind. And when you engage the mind, that engages the ego and the willpower, which mm-hmm. means you actually, according to the Apostle Paul, you actually strengthen the flesh. Wow. Even though you may be making these, doing these sacrificial things and they look spiritual, mm-hmm. but they're all, ba- anything that's coming out of your willpower and your yeah. intellect. Is a yeah. is a work of the flesh, but yeah. I noticed way back early on, and, and, and you know, there's a lot of stuff in my background I don't yeah. ever talk about. Yeah. So let let me just jump in there, uh, yeah. Jim, because prior to us uh, pushing record today, you talked about the deception of works, mm-hmm. and so you were just you know speaking about willpower and uh, uh, you know the 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 mind and the ego and 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 we're working so hard in that area. I'd like you to just kind of go back and revisit, you know, the deception of 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 uh, good works because of how it goes through the brain, you know. And yeah. as long as we're putting an effort, if we could just talk about that uh, yeah. one more time. Well, <clears throat> the works. Y- you always want to remember works of the flesh. That you know, let's put the whole phrase in there. Yeah. So the works of the flesh, they're a combination of the five senses, 
In other words, what you see, what you hear, what you taste, what you smell, what you touch, all that kind of stuff. And then, then, then there's also the ego, uh, the, the pride of life. And then there, there is uh, the lust of the eyes. Now, anything that comes to us through any aspect of, of, our, of our five senses, our, our ego, all of this actually is information that comes from the flesh. And when people talk about this being spiritually minded or carnally minded or, you know, kind of trying to make a distinction between the flesh and the spirit, actually, if you've listened to what religion has said for the last 50 years, you have no idea the difference between the flesh and spirit. Because anything that comes to you through your five senses mm -hmm. is in what I call the continuum of the flesh. Well, part of the continuum of the flesh is the brain. I've had people really want to argue with me about this. And uh, it's like, well, you can argue if you want to, but uh, show me where the brain is not a part of the physical body. Yeah. The brain is a, is a processor. And you know, I talk about this in my book, Moving Your Invisible Boundaries. Uh, I, I think I created the most unique diagram of spirit, soul, and body heart and brain because most of your most of your diagrams of spiritual body are just three do they call them in what they call, call it when one circles inside of another concentric or something like that but you know so so you got three circles one inside of the other yeah. spirit yeah, yeah. Da, da. yeah well well the problem is that really is an incredibly limited yes uh concept of, mm -hmm. of understanding spirit soul and body but if you put three circles side by side put the one in the middle uh, as as being uh, uh, the soul, mm -hmm. I usually put the one on the right as being the body, and the, the one on the left as being the spirit. You don't have to have mm -hmm. one on the right, and that's mm -hmm. just the way I usually do it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in the body, you realize that there are five senses in the body. So I'll draw mm -hmm. a little five little lines out, and I'll write, you know, mm -hmm. sight, smell, mm -hmm. uh, taste, touch, hearing. Is that all five of them? I can't remember. Yeah. But and then, but then you go over here to the spirit, and you actually have to put those same five senses in the spirit. And so we have we have in the spirit man we have a a mirrored image image of mm -hmm. the senses, and in the spirit man those senses make us aware of of God and what's happening in the spirit realm. Whereas, it, whereas anything in the flesh is making us aware of what's happening out here in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's why there's all that's in the world. All that is in the world system is the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. And so the whole system, everything about success out here in the world system, everything that comes through that, through that medium uh, actually uh, is designed to appeal to the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. It, it, that's, that's all it can do. Yes, yes. Now, your brain, <clears throat> when we get input from the world around us, then via our nervous system, that information is carried to the brain. And so the brain then begins to stimulate uh, not only the rest of the nervous system in the body, but the brain begins to stimulate the hormonal system. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> many times people will do good works and they feel good about them. And so that stimulates the brain to release a, a serotonin or dopamine that, and that, that makes you feel good. And so you say, see, that's spiritual. See, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm being spiritual. I'm connecting with God because I can, I can feel it. Mm -hmm. Well, no. No, you're not feeling. You're feeling your physical body. You are having a stimulation that comes from the works of the flesh. Mm. Now, the interesting thing about works of the flesh is this. Anything that stimulates you today, the next time you want that equivalent stimulation, you're going to have to do more. Right. Because that's what, a, that's what addiction is. Addiction, it always needs more. Yeah. Yeah, addiction is, okay, Addiction is you'll never get this first high again unless you do more. And so in addiction, you do more drugs. In sex, you have crazier, more perverted, crazy sex. You know what I mean? Whatever it is, you just do more of it to try to get that first surge that you had, that first yeah. high that you had. Now, and so one of the things that, that I do then 
is on the circle over here on, on the right, you got, you got body, and then on mm -hmm. the circle in the middle, you got soul. Now, mm -hmm. So then I draw a circle that overlaps body and soul, and that's the brain. And so the brain then, uh, through creating these emotions combined with these thoughts that we have that are connected to these emotions, uh, uh, now the brain is neither good nor bad. Yeah. It, it, brain is just, I mean, I mean, excuse me, the, the soul. The soul is just a place where we have the capability of experiencing whatever input we're getting and wherever we're getting it. But, but it's, it's not good or bad. It can be either. It, 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 yeah, it, it can be either just based on, uh, do we turn it, do, yeah. Yeah, do we turn it into a, to an addiction? In other words, feeling, for example, having a sexual stimulation, is that right or wrong? Well, it's according to what you're using to stimulate. The, the, right. the sensation is not wrong. Mm -hmm. No. But whatever it is you're using to stimulate that sensation is wrong. Whatever mm -hmm. you're looking at, whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're imagining, whatever right. you know, whatever you're looking at with your eyes. Yeah. And so, but you go over here to the to the other side. So on the other side, you got your spirit and you got your soul in the middle. Mm -hmm. And so I put a overlapping uh, another circle that's overlaps the soul and overlaps the spirit. Mm -hmm. And this is the heart. Yes. And so just like everything that comes in through your body, your flesh, through your five senses, goes through your brain and it stimulates the brain and causes these chemical releases in the body that create emotions. And our problem is we, we define those emotions just based on our opinion, subjective mental opinions uh, that have nothing to do with reality because uh, because we're, we, we, we violate the Word of God. This is where people just get into, I don't, look, I don't care what the Bible says. This is what I feel, and I know what I feel. Right, 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 right. So good, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you get over here now in the spirit realm, when mm -hmm. you're alive to God and when you're responding to God— all of that information, just like the, the information from the flesh goes through your brain, mm -hmm. the information from the spirit goes through your heart. Mm -hmm. And now, based on whether your heart is straight or whether your heart is cro crooked. Now, this is one of the things we have to realize about your heart. Your heart's not always true. Mm -hmm. And that, that's why we have to renew the mind. That's why the Bible tells us to establish our heart, to write on our heart, to, you know, that we, we have the responsibility for maintenance of the heart. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, when we get born again, we get a brand new heart. Mm. We get a brand new spirit. And, and the, you know, if, if that gets messed up, it, it gets messed up because of the choices we make, what we expose ourselves to, and the fact that we do not renew our minds. We, we don't mm -hmm. write on our heart, da 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 da, da. But anyhow, so uh, when, when we have a spiritual experience, and a spiritual experience is anything that we experience that is based on the realities of God, the mm -hmm. truth of God, you know, the, and that sort of thing. So all of that comes into our heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, our heart has the ability to influence our soul, just like the brain has the ability to influence our soul. Now, <clears throat> the brain, the brain, or let me put this way, this way uh, yeah, the mind is really not the same thing as the brain. Right. The mind gets more into the realm of the soul, and, and but, but the mind is where thought, thoughts originate, but the soul is where they are experienced, and the brain is where the, all this information gets processed and goes from being non-tangible to tangible, physiological, yes. tangible, emotional, Experiences, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Now, and, and you know, probably I'm going a little deeper in this than I, than I probably should, but uh, but it's going to be important. This is going to be great foundation yes, for where is. we're going to we're, we're going to be going. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, the word righteous, when you look at the ori very original concepts of the word righteous and what the word righteous means, the first concept that we have of the word righteous 
is simply straight. Mm. Mm. You know, the, the Bible talks about with God, there's no crooked paths. Right. Well, crooked paths are hard to walk. Mm-hmm. Crooked paths are paths that change. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're going one way, then you go another way, and then you're uphill, then you're downhill. And it's not a smooth path. It's a, it's a rough path, you know. Yeah. You can trip up, and there's not light on the crooked path. There's darkness. So you're walking a crooked path. In it's the dark. Got, in the dark with rocks and bushes and things that you can, all these things that mm-hmm. you can stumble up. Well, ri- a righteous heart is not crooked. Mm-hmm. A righteous heart is straight. Mm-hmm. Now, when you begin, a straight path is easy to walk. Yeah. And there's always light on the straight path. And there, you know, you're not going one way, then another way. You're not going up. You're not going down. There are not rocks and bushes and, and, and obstacles in the straight path like there are in the crooked path. So it, it's the path that's easiest. Well, that's why the Bible talks about how the, how the, the way of the transgressor is hard because yeah. they're trying to make their life work. While they're walking in the dark down a yeah. crooked path, trying to trying to navigate and yeah, and doing it in the dark, yes, yeah, yeah. I see that. So, so now the word straight brings us into the whole concept of harmony, mm-hmm. because the word righteous, uh, the word righteous, it's one of those words that you cannot get a single definition that ever encompasses everything that righteousness is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with, with there's righteous, there's righteousness, all of these little, there's just, there's justified, all of these little words are nuances that all come together to make us understand what righteousness is. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, so right, the word righteous or the word straight then gets into the whole concept of harmony because if, if, if God is righteous, then this means He's straight. Yes. Yes. And that means that start. See, if we're created in the likeness and image of God, and God has a heart, the Bible says He does. God has a mind. God has emotions. God has has a lot of the the same facilities that we have. He just doesn't have the flesh to deal with. Mm. But so this means that for God to be righteous. Then, then it has it has to start with his heart being straight, being predictable, no contradiction, no changes, no turns, no shifting. You know, none of that kind of stuff. No shadows. No shadows. So, so God is in his heart. He is straight. And 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 in a minute, I'm going to introduce you, our, our people, to a concept that is going to be foreign to anything they've ever heard, but they're going to quickly realize how incredibly. Yeah. True it is, and how incredibly simple it makes everything. But see, then, if God is righteous, then what is in his heart, that has to be in harmony or straight with what is in his words, Mm. what is in his thoughts, and then ultimately what is in his deeds or the actions that he takes. And if any of those are crooked, then they are no longer in harmony with that which is straight. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, Very it's much. all in harmony with each other. You know, so many well-meaning people uh, uh, attack. Man, you start talking about righteousness, and people just lose their minds, and immediately they start to, wanting to compare behavior, morals, you know, and behavior. Yeah, yeah. And and you know what? What makes me mad about all this stuff? I, I'm the guy that first introduced all this stuff to the grace movement. Mm-hmm. Nobody was talking about this stuff when I was talking about it 40 years ago. Right. And, uh, and sadly, people jump on this stuff with a v- really never having developed these concepts for themselves, have never walked it out. They just got a, an idea, a theological position, grabbed it and started running with it. And they don't really know how it, how it comes about, how it's, how it's walked out in, in real life. They mean well. They're trying to help people. But the point is, the truth is, the word righteousness has as much to do with your behavior as it does to do with what's in your heart. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't see the word faith, the word believe, uh, 
all, all of these types of words that we just have these very shallow one-dimensional concepts of what these words mean, uh, we have somehow come up with the idea that you can believe something that you're not obeying. That is, that is not in the Greek or the Hebrew language. In the Greek or the mm -hmm. Hebrew language, you're always doing what you believe in your heart will get you whatever it is you're trying to get. You, you, are, aligned, you are alignment with your beliefs. If you yep. are what it's almost like you can look at your life, your behaviors, <clears throat> excuse me, what we're doing. And that's actually a revealer of what you believe. Oh, if you, if you, if you put it, the, flip it the other way, what do you believe? Well, show me your life right now, because that is actually revealing oh. your beliefs. You know, so many people that think they're, they're grace teachers and faith teachers, you know, they reject the book of James because James talks about dead faith versus perfect faith. And perfect faith is not perfection per se. It's faith that it's faith that actually reaches the goal. It, it, it yeah. accomplishes the intention, you know, from the beginning. And so, and so, uh, you know, he, he makes this distinction that faith that does not actually produce corresponding actions and deeds and behavior is dead faith. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's not alive. Now we'll go into this in the next session, but. Because your behavior is reflecting your beliefs. Yeah, your behavior is an expression. So yeah. that's why God cannot do anything that contradicts <clears throat> what's in his heart. Yeah. Because if he did, he would be in sin. Mm -hmm. he, you know, if he did, all things would fall apart. So, <clears throat> so we, we, we start realizing that there's got to be a harmony. That starts with what do I believe in my heart? Because my behavior, you know, you can momentarily through willpower, you can change your behavior. You can act a little better. You can act a little worse. But eventually, you know, like I've said for decades, your heart is like the thermostat. You know, the thermostat, you, you can drop a few degrees below where the thermostat is set before mm -hmm. it kicks in. Yeah. You, can, you can go a few degrees above where the thermostat is set before it kicks in. But eventually, if you stray far enough from where the thermostat is set, it's going to kick in and it's going to bring right everything from, yeah, back to the to place where, where the thermostat yeah. is set. Right. So you now, can, it's almost like if, you're, if your heart condition or your, your, the condition of your heart is a straight line, yep. you can force it up with all your willpower. No, yep. I'm better than this. No, I'm choosing better. I'm going to yep. try really hard. And you inch it up. But then the minute... Any kind of stress, fear, or, or tiredness comes in, ugh, yep. you're back to the line. Now, you know, and the, we're not going to go here now because we just don't have the time in this session, but we'll probably go into it later. But, you know, this is what Paul is talking about in Romans 7, where, and people refuse, I can remember being in the Baptist church, listening to the book of Romans being taught, and people had said, Paul had to be taught, in Romans 7, he talked about this struggle between his flesh and his mind. He had to be talking about before he got saved. No. He's talking about the battle that goes on in every believer, uh, how, that there, how that there's something that works in our members. That word members really mm -hmm. means body parts. Mm -hmm. And so he, he talks about this law that works in your, his body parts versus this law that works in his mind. And how that even though in his mind he might decide that he's going to do a certain thing, then he finds himself doing something else. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, you can't understand Romans 7, the cha you know, that chapter, and you can't understand our personal issues and struggles until we, until we work out this dichotomy between the flesh and the spirit. We, we don't even know what walking the spirit is. We don't even know what being spiritually minded is. Mm. I mean, we don't understand carnally minded. We don't, we don't understand what this looks like in real life. So before we run out of time, here is the, here is the thing. Here is the yes. kicker. Let's mm -hmm. get here, to here's, here is the <laughs> point that you got to deal with between now and this next session if you, if you want to go someplace that you've never been in your life. So if someone were to say to you or ask you this question, if you get to the deepest core of who God is, mm -hmm. of his character, of his nature, mm -hmm. what would you find to be the core of his nature? Now, you guys, we all, we've all ministered together enough that you would know that most of my ministry life, 
I always says when you get to the core of who God is, what you find is love. Mm-hmm. But that's not right. Hmm. Love, <clears throat> love is a character trait. A character traits uh, do provide us the motive or the incentive or the intention behind what we do, but it's not the ultimate core of our character. The ultimate core of our character is not love, or God's character is not love, it's not mercy, it's not compassion, it's not all of these good things, it's, it's, not, it's, not any of the, it's not the bad things, but at the core of God's character is righteousness. Righteousness. Now, people don't want to talk about righteousness because everything religion has ever told us about righteousness mm-hmm. comes off very religious, very yeah. negative, mm-hmm. usually becomes self-righteousness, yes. and usually becomes a way to judge and criticize other yes. people. Yes, yes. But <clears throat> one of the reasons that the church is in such a mess doctrinally Mm-hmm. One of the reasons there is this, this incredible gap between people who teach grace and people who teach law. Uh, one of the re- reasons all of this theological and, and life application struggle is going on is because we do not grasp and understand the doctrine of righteousness and what, what that really means. And then you add faith righteousness to that, and good grief, people lose their minds about what faith righteousness means. So let's let's let me let me create a few little examples here. So let's say that that uh, all right. So every, everything God is going to do, He is going to do based on. Love, the the motivation, Mm -hmm. the intention is always love. Yeah. So the problem comes in where do you get an absolute description or definition of love? Mm -hmm. I mean, where do you go? And particularly if you're among the theological group that says, okay, the commandments, that's not for, that has nothing to do with us today. The law and the commandments has nothing to do with this. Okay. So you th- throw away all the law, all the commandments. My question then is okay, where do you get a definitive uh, description, definition of the character, of the characteristics of love? Well, if you throw away righteousness, if you really, if you throw away the law and the commandments, you have actually thrown away righteousness. Now, remember, the law and the commandments can't make you righteous. The law and the commandments can't give you any kind of power to live a more godly life. The law and the commandments, all the and, and you know, people get real negative about that scripture in Romans where it says that the law by the law I have the knowledge of sin. And people are like, see, the law just makes you feel condemned. No, it didn't say condemned. It didn't say you're condemned by the law. It says you have the knowledge of sin. And there's nowhere in the Bible that says that the law is bad. Because if you say the law is bad, then you're saying the lawgiver is bad. Uh, and so, so our whole concept of what it means to be free from the law is completely an exaggeration and a twisting of what the Scripture says. You know, Romans 10, 4 says, says we have been made free from the law for righteousness. They don't say we're free from the law in every, in every sense. I mean, we're, but the idea that you can ever get righteousness from the law is the thing that we are made free Correct. of because we, we're given a gift of righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so... So, so then, then how could the law, how how is the law and righteousness? Well, I mean, what, how does that come together? Well, <clears throat> see, God says, "I am, I am who I am. I am who I have been. I am who I will be." That's kind of in the Hebrew what that what that's saying. In other words, He's saying, "I never change." Mm-hmm. The Book of James says it this way. It says it says that. Uh, uh, that God stands in, in perfect light with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, if you were standing in a room that was perfect light all the way around you, God never changes his position enough 
that he could even cast the slightest shadow. And so, so our concepts of God have left us with a, with a concept of God that is ever-changing. It's, it's like we can't predict what he's going to do. We don't, we don't know, you know what things are always going to look like in every setting. Well, righteousness, and, and remember, all, all the commandments, all the law does, and one of the better translations for law would be signposts. So if I am attempting to walk in love, and I kind of, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you got the lust of your flesh pulling at you, you got temptation pulling at you, you got greed pulling at you, you got fear pulling at you, and you're kind of like, man, I don't. And so when you reach a place where you don't understand, one thing I can guarantee you is, you will never understand to somebody else's, or you will never fail to understand to such a degree that you treat somebody else better. Anytime people don't understand, it's always funny to me, people don't understand and they do it in such a way that it gives them the right to do somebody else wrong. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never had somebody come to me and say, I, I didn't understand that, and they overpaid me, <laughs> or they were nicer to me than they should have been. Yeah, it's always it's always they use that to get by with something. Right. So, so there has to be some place where there is an absolute statement of God's character, and that every other attribute, whether it's love, whether it's mercy, whether it's kindness, whether it's compassion, or whether it's justice, it doesn't really matter. All of that has to come through a character that says. This God said, "This is who I am. And I'm always this way, mm-hmm. and and no matter you know, love is always going to be my motive. But there's always going to be justice. There's always going to be yes. all these other factors. Yes. So where do we get the absolute understanding from that? From the commandments, because there were ten commandments originally, and then when Israel came to be a nation, they needed an expansion <laughs> of those ten commandments so that they would under so they would have." a way for civil law. How, how do you govern a nation of people trying to relate to each other? That's civil law. And so the 513 laws that were in the civil code were all a derivative of one of the 10. Mm-hmm. Now, 80% of the 10 commandments are about how we treat one another. So that's, that's so what it's really doing is, is drawing you a picture of, okay, if you're walking in love towards your brother, you're not going to lie to him. You're not going to commit adultery with his wife. You're not going to uh, steal his property. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to cheat him. All these people who talk about how bad the law is, I'm like, so you think we should all start committing adultery and stealing from each other? Well, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. Well, yeah, it is what you're saying. Well, no, because, because if you walk in love, you won't do that. Yeah, but walking in love is when you actually fulfill the commandments. So <clears throat> where we're going to go starting next week, and I'm already over the time, we're going to go this week is we're going to look at righteousness and we're going to see in a, in a liberating way, not a negative way, not a legalist. This is not about legalism. This is not about going back under the law. This no. is about saying, I am going to finally identify the, the foundation upon which every attribute of God has to be defined and has to be understood. And I will never be confused ever again the rest of my life. I love this. I have never heard that whole thing at the very core of God. There would be love. I mean, we would probably always just say love, but this righteousness is just settling so well with me because even seeing the alignment of where we live on this earth with the planets and everything else. I'm not trying to make it about that, but I'm just, everything is, all these pieces are coming together. Yep. If there isn't righteousness, then how would it all hold together? How would, right. why, you know what I'm saying? Like it just is really resonating with me is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. As I'm looking at the big picture, of course it's righteousness. It's, yep. it's all the way creation was come out of was, was this absolute yep. alignment you know, with everything works with everything. Mm. Absolutely. And just in, in finding and living, you know, in that harmony. Yeah. I, as we began today, this is good news. Absolutely. This is such good news for you and for others. Because, and, and you know, 
I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's just because then you really do come into this place yeah. of rest. Yeah. I mean, that this is what harmony really is all yeah. about. And this is something that the world wants to offer, but cannot deliver. No, no. But he is righteous and And, his ways are good and only good. And for those who are confused about grace, you will never, according to the Bible, not according to Jim Richardson, we're going to show you this. You can never actually walk in grace until you are committed to righteousness. Yeah. So we're out of time. This is really, <laughs> really great. Thank you. Wow. And thank you also for taking the time to go through that spirit, soul, and body and the heart and the brain. That mm-hmm. was very valuable. Yep. And so, you know, if you're listening to this and you happen not to be taking notes, you know, just listen to it again and start drawing as as Jim yep. is talking because it really, it's just very valuable. Very helpful. Yeah. Okay. And, and when we get into this, you know, carnal mind, spiritual mind, when we get into all of that dichotomy, yeah. You've got to understand spirit, soul, and body, heart, and brain. Yeah. You've got to understand yeah. how the, yeah. how this works. So very important. Okay, Good. great. Right. Thanks so much. I'm already looking forward to next so week, exciting. Jim. Thank yes. you so much. And thank you, listeners, for just being on this beautiful journey with yeah. us. Yeah. We'll and, see you next uh, time. And, and, and again, thanks, you know, for your support. Mm-hmm. And make sure, you know, just share the podcast with others. Mm-hmm. Connect with Impact Ministries, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Audrey and I, we do a, 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 another weekly a podcast all about relationships. I mean, what we want to do is do all that we can, yeah. you know, to really connect you to the extravagance of God's love. And you'll discover how righteous and just and harmonious it really is. Yeah. Okay. And Jim, you know what Jim mentioned, moving your invisible boundaries. Is that where is that the book where the diagram is? Yeah, and that's that's really the definitive guideline. Yeah. So I was just going to mention that. Yeah. 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 I really, they can get I really, that, they can get that through your website. Yeah. Live just go to live transformed and and buy the book, moving your invisible. It's almost that is really the textbook to heart work. Yep. And so yep. I just, if you haven't done that already, just do that in the next week as we move towards this subject. Thank awesome. you so much, Jim. We'll see you next right, have time. Have a great everyone. week, everyone. Bye.